In this episode, we are discussing remote viewing. We're talking about its role in the formally classified government psychic espionage program. We talk about whether it's really that different from clairvoyance, and we also discuss how you can try it. This is Heather Wood and Jamie Hayhurst, and this is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey, Jay, you know what might be fun to talk about? Remote viewing. What do you think? Uh, Yes, let's do this. (laughs) So let's first start off with what it is. Mm -hmm. remote viewing also is sometimes referred to as RV Mm -hmm. Um, but it is the practice of seeking impressions about a distant or unseen target in space or time that's the official definition can you say that in English (laughs) again remote viewing is like using your intuition Mm -hmm. tapping in and trying to see something that you don't have access with your outside eyes to seeing like something you don't know. So it's like the military's version of intuition. Yeah. We're going to talk a lot about how remote viewing is in my opinion, just a version of clairvoyance. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll get into all of that. Okay. (laughs) But remote viewing became popular in the nineties. Mm-hmm. And it's become popular again. The reason it's become popular again is because of a little show called Stranger Things. Yes, exactly. So you and I both love that show. But the on that show, the character whose name is Eleven mm-hmm. uses something that in all of the like chat room and like chat room, I just made it me, myself sound like really old, but like Reddit pages and like like things like that, like Facebook rooms about remote viewing she's mentioned as using remote viewing in the show. Now I have to tell you that as someone who knows about remote viewing, when I was watching, I wasn't necessarily being like, Oh, look at 11 is remote viewing. But now that I sort of hear it, I'm like, okay, I can, I can sort of see that. Right. And she was in a facility. She was, you know, with a bunch of scientists and military personnel. Exactly right. So it's become popular again because of that show. But it originally became popular in the 90s because the CIA declassified a bunch of documents related to something called the Stargate Project. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Now, (laughs) we're going to talk more about this. Like as we as we kind of go through, I'm going to pepper things in about the Stargate Project. But what you have to understand is that this program or project ran for about 15 to 20 years. Mm -hmm. It was a $20 million research project sponsored by the U.S. government. Right. Its point was to use psychic espionage, mainly remote viewing, to gain information and intel And it was specifically created to gain it on Russia. Right, exactly. So the timing of this project is around the time that the Cold War is ending. When the project starts, it started in like the 70s. The dates are very unclear because when you talk to different people about when the project starts, they're going to tell you different dates. Right. Um, And I think that is just the nature of the sort of secrecy around the project. Right. Um, but 
the reason that it was developed was because the U.S. government found out that the Russian government was using psychic espionage against the U.S. Oh, interesting. I thought so, too. So we'll get more into that and into a few of the important people in it. But I want to talk about what's actually going on when people are are remote viewing. Yeah, I think we need to talk about it because I find it to be very frustrating whenever I talk about it or think about it. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's frustrating because it's this thing developed in this very military patriarchal way that is taking from pagan culture, taken from a lot of different things. I mean, I, I traced it back to Babylonia, Egyptian and Greek culture. I could find lots of stuff on, of course, it's not called remote viewing. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, so it's it's one of those examples of the patriarchy using intuition in a way that works for them, but then like sort of denying it or not allowing other people to use it. It really like it hits me in that button. Agreed. And then they like change all the wording of it. So you're sort of like you're trying to translate the whole time because the way we think of this stuff, they've created all these military terms around it that that you can tell they just don't want to say the word intuition. So they're they're working really hard to phrase it in any other way that they can. Exactly right. And if you think of it like remote viewing is a skill and it's a skill that incorporates natural intuition. Right. So there is a term called telesthesia. Mm-hmm. There's also a term called traveling clairvoyance. All of these things are what are being done with remote viewing. Right. I would also throw in ESP, mm-hmm. um, definitely part of that. Like all of this stuff is like there, the, all of these things are already things is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah. When I was looking into parts of this, I kept, they kept talking about psi powers, like PSI, like psionic powers. And then you look into that because everyone's just speaking as if you already know what that is. So you look into it, it's intuition. It's, right. it's intuition, but it's psi power, like this like very masculine patriarchal way to say intuition. Exactly. And, you know, when you hear the, I watched a documentary, I read a book, like I watched many videos on remote viewing and, and some of the key players involved. And it's all these white men yes. who nothing against them. You can tell that they're struggling with their own balance of it and their, their own view of like, wow, this is the reaction. And like, this is how people treated it. And it like clearly works. And it's so frustrating. And I kept being like, don't, don't you see, (laughs) don't you see what's happening here? Like, it's like they were missing that, that like outside of this one arena element. Right. Exactly. Yes. So I also want to say that doing stuff like remote viewing, so like trying to um, picture where something is or see something in your mind that you don't already know what it looks like or locate a person or anything like that is so ancient. We just called people who did this, instead of calling them remote viewers, we called them seers. We called them diviners. Um, We called them people who had visions. All part of every culture. Like I couldn't find a culture that didn't have a term that described somebody who did remote viewing. Now 
I would like to point out that it wasn't like these people back in the day were only doing remote viewing or right. whatever, or traveling clairvoyance as it was used to be called. Mm-hmm. Um, they were doing all kinds of intuitive things. This was like one of the skills. Right. And they were also highly regarded and respected in their communities. Yes. Also, a few other names, oracles, priestesses, high priestesses, all different terms used to describe somebody who would do something like remote viewing. I think it's interesting to note that Nostradamus was known for making predictions by using traveling clairvoyance. Oh, interesting. I didn't know how he got his predictions. Yeah. Now, there's all different ways. Like he goes into a state of meditation. He goes into a state of channeling. So it's certainly not the only way he was getting his information. But in the way it's described, he's descri- or it's being described as traveling clairvoyance. So. Gotcha. And then also, I would like to point out <laughs> that if you look at the ancient Sabbaths, we have a couple of, or I think we have four episodes dedicated to the Sabbaths. If you haven't listened to them, I really, really encourage you to. It's knowledge I think everyone should have. Yeah, it's a good foundation. Yeah. So in those ancient Sabbaths, one of the things that would happen a lot of times around a solstice or around a different like pagan Sabbath would be that people would tap in and use their intuition and do things like communicate with spirit, um, pick, have visions of things like, and this is something that everyone would have been doing. It wasn't like special people only those, those people who were like the seers or whatever, they were just incredibly gifted at it, but it wasn't only them. Everyone used this tool, right? It sort of reminds me in a way of mediumship where every single person has the ability to do this. Like every human is, is built with it, but some people are just naturally better. It's like more of a gift for them and they can do it stronger. I would say that same thing applies to remote viewing or traveling clairvoyance or telesthesia, however you want to say it. Yeah. And that's what a lot of these guys who, if you look up remote viewing, they say that, that it's something that everyone can do. Exactly right. Now, let's talk about how it was used back in the day with the military. Okay. So let's, I'm going to paint you a little bit of a picture Mm -hmm. of what an exercise in remote viewing would have looked like, a training exercise in remote viewing would have looked like for a military personnel. Okay. So let's say there's a five person team. Mm -hmm. One of the people is the remote viewer. Okay. The other, another person, person two, they are the person who is conducting the remote viewing. So they have a list of questions that they're going to ask the person who is remote viewing. Most of the remote viewers are laying on a couch, by the way, in like a very weird, dark room. (laughs) And all the examples I could find. And then there's someone in that room with them who's going to ask them questions to help them pick up and channel this information. Okay. Now let's say there's two other people and these two people are the people who are on location. One person is the driver and the other person is the person who is going to stand in a location, look around and really try to beam with all of their energy. This would be an example of ESP, by the way, to the, the remote viewer. So that like, let's say they randomly went into Boston and stood on one certain street corner and then they just kept looking around and really focusing on what they were seeing. Gotcha. Now, 
none of these people at the beginning of the um, exercise know where they're going. The two people who are going to location, the driver and the person have in a sealed envelope have where they're going. They get in the car and they open the sealed envelope. Now the remote viewer and the person asking the remote viewer questions do not know where they're going. Okay. Have no idea. And it's important that the person asking the questions not know that so they can't lead or hint or do anything to the person remote viewing. Right. And then they would do the whole thing. Let's say it was like at 2.05, we're going to tune in. And 2.05 hits, that person out on location is trying to like beam all the information to the other person. And then the remote viewers tuning in and see what they got. They get. So they're being asked questions. They're typically sketching. That was, that's like a big part, like a really kind of messy sketch. Some people looked like they were sketching with their eyes closed. Some people just were had their eyes open. It, it was different on the different accounts that I saw. Okay. So that would be how they would train. And so people who would do that really accurately, who would sketch the place or describe where the person was, or like they were, would then be recruited by the military to be a remote viewer. Gotcha. Okay. Now the kinds of things that the military did was they would spy, they would look, they would find like missing soldiers. They would find where certain weapons were being housed. Like they were using it for this kind of stuff. And so how would you, how would the military, I know how it would work, but how would the military make it work if they didn't have, if they say they were looking for a missing soldier. So they didn't have that person to go out and, you know, ESP, the vision Mm -hmm. receiver. Yes. So what they would do was they would give the person doing the remote viewing some information about who they were looking for. Gotcha. And they would try to keep this information minimal. And a lot of times that was at the request of the remote viewer, because the more information, the harder it is. Right. right. So they would say, we are looking for this missing soldier. This is the person. And sometimes they would show them a picture of the person. Uh-huh. And then the remote viewer would sit and they would sketch or they would speak. And then the person in the room with them would ask them questions and write down the answers. Most of these things were recorded. Okay. Gotcha. Now you can go and look, you can find on the CIA's website, it, it's all over the place, all of the um, documents that were the classified documents that were released. There was a um, documentary that I watched called Third Eye Spies. Mm-hmm. And it's about this project. And in it, they show some of the pictures next to where the actual place was. It's freaking crazy, Jay. Is it? It's so crazy. Um, I also found, aside from um, the military using it, I found some different accounts of people finding missing persons using remote viewing. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were using the military version of remote viewing and working with police. Gotcha. It seems to me that more police forces employ sort of secretly um, psychics or intuitives of some kind than not based on what I was looking up. Right. Well, it feels like it's safer for some reason for them to bring in military type remote viewers than to divulge that they're, they've hired a psychic, but it's real. it's really the same thing. It's just, you're phrasing it differently. Exactly. Right. Um, and then some other things that I, that I saw when people were doing remote viewing or telling other people how to remove remote view was they would stare at a list of random numbers and letters. That was one of the things. So instead of just being in a dark room with kind of no direction, they would stare at numbers and letters. 
Well, that's interesting. Yeah, and it would like help trigger it. And then also in meditation and hypnosis, there were people who were able to remote view. Okay. Um, those weren't the way the military used it, but I, I found absolutely people describing how to do it using those methods. Um, we're going to talk in a few minutes because we tried it. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about that, but I got to say, I think it would have been way easier to use a meditation or a hypno, like someone telling us what to do. I think I could have done better. So I would like in the future to try that. I'm just saying. Yeah. The things that I've read about it there, people have been very clear about there was no altered state of consciousness. I was completely conscious while I did this. I was just sitting and thinking about it. I was not meditating. And there's, that seems to be the line for for the patriarchy or the man or whoever that they don't want to admit, like, as soon as you say that there's an altered state, it creates this gray area where you can criticize it or debunk it. Exactly. You can hear the struggle with that. Yeah. You listen to the people being interviewed about it. Um, and let me say a few of their names just so you guys can like go research them. But all of these people are also in this documentary third eye spies, which I found it just on YouTube. Um, I'm sure it's in other places as well, but it's it's not something you have to pay for. Um, was it interesting? Kind of. <laughs> it's a lot of the same thing, and it's a lot of white men struggling with the fact that the patriarchy is against intuition. And that's, depending on your mood, that might not hit well. It was a little bit of a struggle for me. Yeah, it's frustrating. Yeah, exactly. So some of the important people in the remote viewing world are Russell Targ, Joe McConaughey, Ingo Swan, Pat Price, Harold Putoff. And there is a lot more as well, but those are just some of the main ones. They're all featured or talked about. Uh, Pat Price um, has passed away. He's probably the best remote viewer ever, according to everything I could find. And he like mysteriously died in Vegas. There's a whole controversy about it. So if you want to like side deep dive, you could check into that. Um, but they're all mentioned in Third Eye Spies. Um, and then also I read a book called Memoirs of a Psychic Spy, which is by Joe McGonigal, who's one of those people. So he was um, one of the best. He was like known as um, Agent 001 or something. Ooh. He was one of the best remote viewers. His book is really good. I actually listened to it on Audible. Um, I found it really, really interesting. Even though he's a military guy sort of struggling with intuition, it, it doesn't have that much of a tone as much as he's giving you like stories of, of how it like remote viewing experiences and things that he went through. It's pretty interesting. Nice. I'll put that in the show notes for everybody too. Okay. I also think it's interesting that one of the main points from these men, like really trying to defend the remote viewing in the project, one of the main points that they keep making is like, we weren't using it alone. We weren't like basing all of our intelligence on a remote viewing exercise. <laughs> we were, we were adding that to whatever information we were, we were looking for. Right. The, the other intelligence that they had gathered. Yeah. So it's, so a lot of the critics of this, of project Stargate or the Stargate project, I heard it named both ways. A lot of the critics were like, that's so ridiculous to, you know, base all this information off of a psychic exercise. Right. But I think it's important to, to note that 
it was, that wasn't the case. Right. They were just adding information. And a lot of times it was very helpful. And without knowing the other intelligence, a lot of these remote viewers were getting the same information, but adding in some more specifics. Right. So they were using it to substantiate the other intelligence that they had received. Exactly. And for all the critics of it and people who are, who read the declassified things and say like, Oh, please, that was just a silly thing. The military wouldn't run a project for 15 to 20 years if it wasn't effective. For $20 million. <laughs> exactly right. So mm, it's kind of it's kind of hard to discount it if that's... Yes, it, it, now the project was terminated in the 90s. Um, but every single interview I found of every single person involved in it hints that it's still going on. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, there is no one who doesn't put that hint out there. Oh, nice. So I think that maybe Project Stargate itself ended, but I think that the use of, quote unquote, psychic espionage, which I love that term, by the way, um, I that I believe is still going on. I mean, why wouldn't it still be going on? Exactly right. Okay. So there is a person named Jessica Utz that I would like to actually play you a clip from her from an interview she did. But first, let me tell you who she is. She is a professor of statistics Mm -hmm. at UC Irvine. So just hear me say professor of statistics doesn't really strike you as like, oh, really into intuition. Probably not. (laughs) She and one other person were hired to review Project Stargate and to see if like, was there any legitimacy to this? Like what are statistically what these guys were getting, what we were picking up and like the amount of times they were right or got information. What can you get from that? Okay. Because we're talking about the patriarchy. We can't not bring statistics in, right? There has to be some analysis. Yeah. Okay. So Jessica and this other guy were hired to analyze these statistics. And the other guy whose name isn't really mentioned very often, he agreed with all of her findings, which is that there is no way that any of this was chance. These people were actually picking up information. The odds are too great. She is a big defender of it. Now, the other guy who is, we'll call him the skeptic guy. Uh He said, there's, yeah, there's no way this was just chance, but I don't really believe it was intuition and then had no basis for that. So then what would it be? (laughs) Right. Exactly. You can't, you can't do that. So I wanted to play a clip for you. She was on, this is an interview from something called Talking Points. And she is describing the amazing consistency in, t- in the statistics she found. So I'm just going to play about a minute of this because I want you to hear it in her words. And I love the example and the comparison that they sort of give. Okay. That we're studying the same kind of thing. And what I found was amazing consistency across all of the different Um, laboratories that were studying this. And that doesn't happen if it's just a fluke. And so uh, what I found was overwhelming statistical evidence, you know, the 10 to a billion or whatever, against chance um, for the data just by combining the data across the laboratories. The skeptic who was working with me agreed that there was overwhelming statistical evidence. He just didn't agree on what was causing it, but he had no alternative explanation. And when we talk about the statistic, you mentioned uh, one to the 10th billion or something like that. Does that mean the chances of 
there being um, a lucky guess would be one out of 10 billion or something along those lines? What it means is if uh, people were just guessing, uh, the probability that we would see evidence as strong as we saw if they were just guessing was about one in 10 billion. All right. And so to put that into some context, uh, you and I discussed earlier that uh, the California lottery was set up in the 1980s. Yeah. At that time, it's it's harder to win the lottery now than it right. was then. But when they initially developed the lottery, the chances were about one out of 14 million of getting that winning ticket. Um, now, if we just take that number and for easy math, say one out of 10 million. So one out of 10 million is 1000 times less than one out of 10 billion. Right. So that shows you the odds of winning the lottery are a lot better than coming up with a lucky guess in That's remote right. viewing. And for one, it. <laughs> wow. So again, this is not a woman who has any background in intuition. Her only job and her only career is in analyzing statistics. And that is what she had to say. Like it is that it's a thousand times more likely um, to win the lottery than to have a chance guess at the right thing for remote viewing. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And you can look more stuff up about Jessica. Utz. She's very, very interesting. There's a lot of videos and interviews that she does about this program. And I like the way she speaks about it because she doesn't, a lot of times people interviewing her are trying to get her to be like, it's magical. And she kind of won't. She's just like, no, it's really a thing. <laughs> Like, I'm just running the numbers, buddy. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. So I want you to think about that. And I want you to take even just that out of the remote viewing world. And I want you to think about that with intuition, that the chances that you could randomly guess or come up with something or that your brain would randomly pick something. And that was the thing it was. Right. Are so slim. Slim to none. Right. Exactly. Yep. All right. So one of the people who I think we have to talk about if we talk about remote viewing is Ingo Swan. Mm. Not only does he have a really cool name, yeah. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy. I don't know. We maybe could even do a whole episode on him. But Jay, you did, a, you did some research into Ingo, who I think, would you consider him kind of like the father of remote viewing? Like, will you tell us about him and what you think his kind of role in it is? Yeah. So, I mean, he's this really strange guy. Um, he's dead now. He died in 2013 um, and he was born in 1933, but he's definitely one of the fathers of remote viewing, worked with on the Stargate project with the CIA. He was born in Colorado, but he spent most of his life in Manhattan um, living in the Bowery district. But he's just such an odd guy, you know, like when you read about him and there's still a website up about him and goswan.com, you can go and look up. It must be run by an estate or something since he's dead. But like you can find all the links to all of his books because he was an author after he did this. But you can find all these old interviews on YouTube. And he just has this. He's very he was very much like a white man, like you said. Mm-hmm. But also you can tell that he really believes in what he's talking about, but he's, he also, I think he had to get himself to a point where he just let it go that people didn't believe him. Yeah, I agree. He, I, he was talked about in the third eye spies documentary and the sort of impression I got when people talked about him was that he was this kind of damaged, insecure man with this incredible gift Yep, And that when he was doing 
his his stuff when he was using his intuition for remote viewing or for many of the other things that he would use it for it was beyond amazing sort of him outside of that was this very kind of broken bizarre character yeah like you get this kind of vibe from him where you're like you're a strange guy and I don't know if it's like the kind of weird guy that I want to like become friends with because you're a weirdo or if I want to like maybe keep my distance a little bit because I'm not exactly sure what you're going to say next Mm -hmm. but incredibly talented and and the thing that I think we can learn from these these guys doing this and from the military taking on remote viewing is that Ingo never spoke like he was trying to convince anybody of anything mm-hmm. just when you hear and he and his remote viewing experiences I mean he remote viewed the moon right he remote viewed Jupiter the planet <laughs> like so he's not but there's not this energy of like, believe me. There's not like that pick me energy. Like, Oh, believe me. Like I'm going to persuade you. Listen to how emphatically I'm talking. He talks about remote viewing the moon. Like you and I would talk about getting a cup of coffee. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't feel like even that's an act to me. Oh, it doesn't feel like he's trying to be like so casual, like, Oh, you know, just remote view Jupiter yesterday and be like, it doesn't have that feel to it. It, I think it's, it really does feel kind of normal to him. Yeah. He's just, he's very matter of fact about it. He's like some mysterious gentleman hired me to remote view the moon and they paid me a large sum of money. (laughs) And so I did that. I was like, okay, and go get your money. (laughs) Um, but it's hard because a lot of these men, these people that did this, they all had to sign NDAs. So they can't really speak freely or frankly about the things that they did. Exactly right. And, and of all the people involved in the project, I feel as though Inga was the least defensive and trying to prove it. It's almost like he had given up and didn't care and was just like, I'm incredibly intuitive. So whatever you want, I can remote view something if you like, if not go away. Like, <laughs> and He also, I mean, in the work that he did, he's, he did it for so long that, you know, he, re- he remote viewed the moon and he was saying the way he spoke about it was, he was like, this is actually really embarrassing for a lot of a lot of the people in positions of power in our government, I'm, I remote viewed the moon and I saw an, I saw an atmosphere. I saw air. We were told there was no air and no water on moon. You know, I saw, he said that he saw uh, other beings on the moon, that he saw signs of life there, but also like buildings and structures there. And this was in the, he was saying this in the sixties and then decades later, the government confirms that there is indeed water on the moon. There is indeed an atmosphere on the moon. So, but he had to sit there for 30 years and sound like, like a lunatic. Exactly. It's, it's sad. And then it's amazing that the military then hired him. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And he did the same with Jupiter. He viewed things on Jupiter and people were like, that's not, that's not what's there. That's not what that, that planet is made up of. And then years later, NASA confirms all the things that he remote viewed when he remote viewed Jupiter. It's, it's incredible. It is. It it really is. Um, He also was an incredible, he was an author. He wrote 17 books, a lot, a lot of them having to do with this stuff. 17. Um, Wow. That's amazing. 
so you can go on that ingoswan.com and you can find a link to all of the books that he wrote. Um, he did talk in an interview about how he couldn't even, his publisher couldn't even get him book deals a lot of the time because the things that he was, and he had already published say five or six books. And then he'd have this thing he wanted to write about with the, the moon or remote viewing or Jupiter or whatever. And his publisher couldn't get him a book deal because no one would touch the things that he was trying to say. I feel like this is a tale as old as time where these really amazing people are silenced and not credited and made out to be lunatics and not given the time of day while they're alive. Right. And then once they're dead and the narrative about them can be controlled, the information goes out and, you know, maybe in 10 years or something, everyone will know who Ingo Swan is and think he's amazing, but he lived his entire life being looked at like he was a lunatic. Right. Well, then he has this, this, art career where he has it spans decades and you can see his art is incredible I mean and you can watch it evolve from sort of like florals and and sort of your average art to at the end of his life his art was like about the universe and the galaxy and he was painting the things that he was remote viewing it's it is really beautiful um art he was a painter but it it ends up like sort of you can see it shift into being like more trippy because it feels like he was he was channeling the things that he was seeing and probably wasn't necessarily being believed about exactly right exactly Uh, and to your point about like the government controlling things like that i mean people they're now releasing documents about ufos and everyone's like oh yeah no big deal like it's not even on barely makes the news I, I feel, I like stay up at night thinking about that. And I'm like, why is no one else freaking out? <laughs> it's all very, it feels very orchestrated. And it feels like men like Ingo Swan are sort of, they do the work. They get the job done for the military and for who, whomever they're working for. But then they're sort of left, they're abandoned. And then the government comes in later and gets all the credit for it. Exactly. It's very frustrating. Enough with that patriarchal story. I'm so sick of that story. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I do think Ingo led like an incredibly, like if it's something that sounds interesting to the listeners, that's something that we could do an entire episode on. His life was um, remarkable, I would say. Absolutely. You guys let us know. I think him, also Pat Price, um, who was the person I told you, the remote viewer, who died under mysterious circumstances in right the government that he worked for at the time refused to look into it. Well, and I was looking up Ingo's cause of death and I couldn't find it. It was just like dead 2013. I'm like, how? Tell me how. The the Third Eye Spy documentary opens with Russell Targ standing at his unmarked grave. Oh my God. He doesn't even have a real grave. What? Is there a body there? I don't know. Maybe they both like, traveled to a different dimension or something and we're just like waiting to see <laughs> what happens. I don't know. I like that theory a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely interesting people to dive into if you guys want to look them up. But if you want us to do episodes on them, let us know. We're happy. We love deep dives on people. So feel free to, you know, yeah, give feedback. All right. So I thought this might be a good time for a break, Jay. And okay. when we come back, I want I want to talk about how the the listeners can try remote viewing and then we're going to talk about our we tried it and we haven't we haven't done the results we're going to do it like live for 
for you to hear. And we're both pretty sure we did not do a very good job. So yeah. I'm anxious about it. I'm anxious. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. We'll be right back after this short break. You guys have heard our ad for Restoration Coffee. So we thought we'd do a quick Restoration Coffee Real Talk or Resto Real Talk. What do you think, Jay? Well, I mean, I love Real Talks. <laughs> I love Restoration Coffee. So this is really like where I where I live. Yeah, it, it's, it's a good lane for us. <laughs> this is my lane. <laughs> well, the first thing that I love about Resto that I think everyone needs to know, here in Massachusetts where we live, there are a ton of coffee shops, but there aren't actually a ton of great coffee shops. Resto is a great coffee shop. The baristas know what they're doing. They know what they're making. They understand the science of it. They're not just like pushing buttons and coffees dumping out. They're really making excellent high quality coffee. They are. They're the best. So good. And then the, beyond the baristas and what you're getting, you can also get the beans. Yes. And oh my God, it's the best coffee, don't you think? Yeah. And like they're roasted themselves. Resto roasts their own beans. They're ethically sourced. They're not dunked in syrup or whatever happens to make like crazy flavors. Like they're really great, high quality, high end beans that you're getting. And you don't even have to be from around here to get them. You can order them from wherever and they'll ship them to you. And then the other thing I realized after going there so much was that a lot of places offer vegan or gluten-free or dairy-free stuff. And whenever I see it, I'm always like, I don't know if I want that. Suspicious. When I go to Resto, a lot of the times I order things and they're already gluten-free and dairy-free and I don't know it and they're delicious. Like they're just so good. It's so good. Even if you don't have a reason for needing to not have that stuff, have it. It's delicious and you'll feel great after you eat it. Yeah. So it's like this magical blend of taking care of people that need certain dietary help, but also making it really delicious too. Exactly. All right. I'm sold. Let's go. Let's go to Resto. Okay, so let's talk about what it's like to try remote viewing. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) So remote viewing is kind of like somebody saying, use ESP, clairvoyance, whatever, whatever of the clairs you have. Now, if we have an episode on the clairs, go listen it's it's awesome. So like go listen so you can find out what your strongest ones are if you haven't listened already. But what you're doing is sort of channeling that into kind of a formula. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. So rem- be, being an actual remote viewer takes practice and training. Right. But there are things you can do to attempt it now. So before I tell you what happened with Jamie and I, I wanted to um, play you a little clip of somebody named John Cook. Okay. Now, he is the president of the International Remote Viewing Association. Okay. That's a thing. Okay. So he describes remote viewing. And when he talks about describing it, I really like the way he explains it. Okay. So one of the things that he says to do is to the, the, the like way your brain goes around trying to pull information from remote viewing is very similar to if you were trying to remember the name of a band and it was on the tip of your tongue, you were, and you were in that process of like, "Ah, I know it's there. I just got to grab it. Oh, very similar to that. Gotcha. I think that's a very cool analogy. 
Agreed. Now, the other thing he does is describes sort of like how to do it. And I thought this was a very good description. And we tried to use this when we did our experiment, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But this is him sort of giving some advice on trying remote viewing. The beginning remote viewer needs to do, and it's really short, so you can just easily make it into a poster for your wall. It's describe, don't name. It's like, here's a pen. Um, I immediately identify it as a pen. Try not doing that for a while. Try uh, not using nouns. You know, it's it's hard. It's uh, kind of long. It's it's cylindrical. It's it's hollow. Tell that it's hollow. If I got into it a little bit, I could be like, there's some stuff down the middle. It could be that I'm working a target in remote viewing that is a pen. It could be that I'm working a target in my remote viewing that is a subway car or a subway tunnel. Those descriptors are all still accurate. The second I'm like, it's a pen, everything that I say after that point is pen stuff. I like that description. What do you think? Me too. I like that a lot. Now, when I went to do this exercise, which I'll describe to everybody in a minute, I did not do that well. (laughs) I didn't either. I had nouns popping in my head like crazy. Yep. Same. Okay. So the exercise that Jamie and I tried, I found there's a bunch of different exercises that you can try. These are not meant to be like for professional remote viewers. This is like, you're, you're just trying it out and you start to like practice the skill and see what happens. The exercise that we did again, you guys, we haven't told each other this, like we're going to text each other the the picture that we went off in a minute and probably laugh at how not even close we were. Or maybe we'll shock each other. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what we did, and you guys can try this too, is each of us took a picture of something in our surroundings, right? Mine was in my house. I'm assuming yours was too. Yep. Okay. Because it's COVID and you can't really go anywhere. So that's what it'd be. So we took a picture of that and the instruction was like, don't just take a picture of one item, take a picture of an area or some things, right? So we did that and then we took our picture and then we focused on the picture for a few seconds just to sort of like do that whole ESP to each other thing of what it was. Mm -hmm. Once we had the picture taken, we texted each other, but neither of us have seen the picture that we took, right? Correct. Then we sat... And we went, let me tune in and try to see this picture or this place where the picture was taken. Uh And we are going to share with each other now what we got. (laughs) Now, before we, before we show the world how bad we are at remote viewing, (laughs) I would like to say something that I found difficult while trying to do this was knowing if what I was picking up on was about the picture or just connected to you or trying to go in a different direction to get information. Because that's something I do and I use symbols and pictures anyways, I had a lot of trouble keeping my focus on the picture or knowing if it was the picture or the spot. I found that incredibly difficult. I had a very similar problem, which if you're like me and you're sort of the overthinker or the doubter, the e- like the ego gets really loud when you start, like my ego really likes to jump up when I'm doing intuitive <laughs> work that I have to talk about out loud. You know what I mean? No, no, not you, Jay. That doesn't sound but This <laughs> This has a whole nother 
level for your ego to talk about because I found myself like thinking about it, trying to do this remote viewing, right? Like this very specific exercise. And in my head, I kept being like, well, is that the remote viewing or is that my intuition? Like, am I doing like my other intuitive stuff? Like, am I messing, am I messing this up? Am I crossing them? Is this not the right thing? So it's, it, it feels as much as remote, remote viewing is intuitive work. It sort of becomes narrowly focused and it's easy to psych yourself out. Absolutely. I kept going off and being like, wait, I don't feel like I'm anywhere near the picture anymore. I'm just picking up things that, you know, I think are related to you somehow that would help you, but I don't know why I'm getting them. And I don't, I don't feel any connection to this picture that I don't have. And I don't know. I don't know if it would have been different if you were standing in a spot somewhere and I was trying to channel it. I don't, I don't really know because it was very difficult to know where I, like if I was on track. Right. And how my intuition works is that it's very interactive for me. Like I'll pick up stuff, but then I need to give it to you to see like what, how you react and what comes up for you as a result of that. And then I can keep going. Otherwise I feel like I just have like intuitive ADD and it's just stuff all over the place. So in summary, (laughs) it's very difficult to do. And Jamie and I are both very intuitive and we found it very, very difficult. So if you do this and feel like I'm not doing it well and kind of discouraged, I just don't want you to feel like you're alone. <laughs> no, it feels like it feels like what we said before. This is the patriarchy's version of intuition. So for me, it felt like I was taking a quiz. Like I felt like I was on the spot taking a quiz, pass, fail. Yeah. And I feel like I was failing. Big, like big fat F. You know, those dreams that you have where you're in school but you forgot to go to school the whole time and now you're taking the final. Yes. I have those dreams all the time. <laughs> That's what I felt like while I was doing it. Or I'm like 40 years old, still enrolled in college and like <laughs> forgot to graduate. Oh, cool. Yeah, like, oh, you still have some credits you need to get. Like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> That's remote viewing. Exactly. That's what it felt like. All right. Do you want to tell me what you got first or do you want me to tell you? Like what, what order shall we do this in? Yeah, just let me go first and get it out of the way. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to, you describe what you picked up, and then I'm going to text you the picture when you're done. Okay, so I, like, two things happened. I was very, I was trying really hard to follow those instructions to not name things. So it ended up that I sort of, I feel like I kind of shut it down where I only ended up really sort of seeing shapes. Oh, interesting. Um, Okay. So I basically saw like a big square, mm-hmm. but then I started to see like squares inside of those squares. Okay. And I can, I could like extrapolate like now that it's over, like are those like window panes mm-hmm. or are those like, um, uh, like pictures in a frame, like a collage type of frame or I don't know, but I basically saw squares inside of squares. Okay. And then, you know, what else happened? What? Then my, oh wait, you have to go first. I can't say it. I'll I'll, I'll blow it. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna text you the picture. Okay. But before I do, because I already know you're gonna you're gonna see, like be like I didn't get it. But actually, I think you did really well. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna send it, and then I'm gonna describe it. Okay. So the picture that I sent, it's on its way, Jay. I just texted it to you. Oh, it's not so bad. No. So I took a picture and in it, there is a picture in a frame that is a rectangle. B 
Behind that is a door that has panes on it with a rectangle that are all rectangles. Then there's a rectangle. There's a, it's actual a Barbie in a box behind it. Then there's angel wings off to the side. And then in front of it is a, a rose quartz heart, but it's all like very rectangularly placed and shaped. Wow. I'm really surprised actually. You did a good job. I did a decent job. I mean, I would never would have said picture frame, but you actually I, did say picture frame. But I wouldn't have described it like that, but that is what I saw. Like those shapes, that's how it started. You did say picture frame. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Just to give you credit. Okay, so now I'm gonna do really bad because you did really good. And <laughs> <laughs> all right, are you ready for my description? Yes. Okay. So the first thing that I saw was yellow. But like I, just a bunch of yellow. And okay. then there was this weird shape that I was having trouble describing. So I was trying not to use nouns, but yeah. what I ended up doing was going, it looks kind of like an old, you know, the old British telephone booths. Yes. It, that's sort of what I kind of saw. Okay. Then I saw like, you know, on, on the older pictures, like pictures from when we were a kid. So like in the eighties and nineties, there would be like a digital number. Like, so the date would be in this like weird, I saw that. Okay. Then my heart chakra felt really, really, really like buzzy. And then I felt like the TV was on in the background. Like I could hear a TV playing. And then I saw a a big circle that I was trying not to name a noun, but I felt like it was maybe a big rug. Okay. Okay. How did I do? Am I so bad? No, no, (laughs) no. You did the same exact thing that I did. Okay. I'm going to send it to you. Ready? Yeah. Now I took a picture of, now wait, don't criticize yourself yet. (laughs) I took a picture of like a corner of my living room where I have a bunch of plants. Mm -hmm. You can see in the corner, actually my rug. Oh yeah. Okay. The floor is, it's my wooden floor, but it's kind of like yellowy, that like orange yellow stain. I'm going to give you that. And that the shape of that stand that the plants are on is like the shape of a telephone booth. It's not a telephone booth, but it's that shape. It has like a top and it has a door that opens in the front. Mm-hmm. Heather, what you can't see in this photo is right off to the, off to the left of this photo is my TV and all of the electronics that run in our house, like the modem, the PS five, the TV. So it feels like you picked up the actual, like, like energy like the electricity Mm -hmm. yeah that spot Mm -hmm. okay i think you're being like extra nice no but i'll I'll take some of that i do the 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 hue of the photo is very like beigey yellow with like the wall and the floor so i'll give myself that um and then there's like the window pane standing behind that that piece of furniture that you're saying looks like them. And I think the combination of like window, the the panes on the window and that thing is what I was seeing, but I wasn't seeing them next to each other. Like they are. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I can't believe you picked up on the TV, the energy of the TV. Really? That's the part that impresses you. Yes. (laughs) I wonder what the numbers were like in a picture. That's interesting to me. Well, the two things that you can see in the photo are old like they're that's true like they're they're antique so maybe it was like maybe the timestamp on the photo is showing like age I don't know and then what are there like buddha things in the picture what's the other thing yes um 
Yeah. So there's two like little uh, Buddhas and then um, another Indian statue. Oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe that was the heart chakra buzziness. Oh, yes. And so, you know what? I, I almost just gave it away. But when I realized when I was tapping into your photo that I was seeing all those squares and then the image started to change and I started to see these sort of like circular patterns where it looked like, you know, almost like the doodles you would make in elementary school of like the loops that become like a flower petal. Mm-hmm. Why is this changing into a, a flower petal? Why am I now seeing these like big circles? That's what's in your photo that I took for you. Yeah. And also the picture. So in the picture that you were looking at, the picture in the frame is of flowers. Right. But like these like big, like this fiddle leaf fig that's in this photo that I took yeah. for you. I started to pick up on that shape because again, it's intuition. It's not science. Like I was picking, I was tapping into both. Exactly. Now I would like to also say that if, if I was on the phone with you, and you were standing, you were like, I'm standing in a corner. What am I looking at? I think I could have done better because I also felt I didn't, we both didn't tap into the picture. Like right when we took it, we like, when we had a moment tapped into it, I also kept being like, wait, am I tapping into where Jamie is right now by accident? Am I like, do you know what I mean? I had so much trouble keeping my focus on that one thing. So I think it's just really worth saying that it's very, very difficult to keep that. That's why I'm thinking something like a guided meditation or someone with you asking you direct questions that you can answer feels like it would be a lot easier to me. I agree. Um, The other thing that I wanted to tell our listeners that they could try is there's a free app. It's called ESP trainer. It's by that Russell Targ that we've mentioned a few times. We both downloaded it. Um, it's, it sort of reminds me of like an intuitive game of Simon. <laughs> yeah. And that's what it looks like. Um, when you download it, that's what the app looks like. Mm-hmm. So you get, there's like four squares, they are different colors right? and there's no instruction, which threw me right off. Like again, intuitively, I kind of need to be directed. Like what, what, what's my mission? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, what am I doing here? So what you're doing is trying to pick which one of those four squares there is a picture behind. Yes. Now, what I felt that I would do, because I did it a bunch of times, I would have these runs of crushing it. I would be like, got it, got it, got it, got it. And then I couldn't get it right again for like five whole minutes. (laughs) Exactly. And have you ever seen, it it has very much the energy of Dr. Peter Venkman from Ghostbusters when he's... (laughs) like tricking the college students you have to like he has like the psychic test where you have to like be like what's on the card oh it's a heart you know what I mean like it's it's that type of thing like you're literally just trying to figure out what's on the other side of these colors exactly right it it's weird and there's also all you're picking up is that there's one of these numbers or one of these colors has been chosen as the one that you're supposed to click the picture isn't actually behind it so it's very difficult to like sort of direct yourself intuitively. And like I said, I'd get on a roll where I would be like, wow, look at me. And then I wouldn't get one right for a solid five minutes. (laughs) I was like, wow, what is happening? So interesting. Try it out. It's free. I mean, I'm I'm probably going to delete it. I'm not like super excited about it, but you could see, I think it would probably be a good way if you were trying to hone the skill, like a good little thing that you could do if you were like waiting in line or, you know, whatever. Again, and but like go back to our Claire's episode where we talk about how your intuition works because 
I noticed that I was tapping it. And if you hit, if you hit it wrong, like you, you choose the wrong one, it lights up at the one where you are supposed to tap. Mm-hmm. And then my energy would be there. Like I found myself, I kept finding myself going to that one because you've just told my intuition that that's where the energy is. So now I want to go there. Exactly. And though I'm also hearing my logic be like, you haven't picked green in a while. That one, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so there's so many things that you're kind of fighting, but yeah, I would say try it and see what you guys think. Is anyone like crazy good at it? Maybe, maybe if you are, that indicates that like you have a real natural gift for this kind of stuff. Yeah. You could be a remote viewer. Yeah. Try it out. Let us know. Yeah. Um, all right. I have, I have one more kind of thing to discuss with you. Okay. I feel like remote viewing, there's a lot of crossover in other elements of intuition. Mm-hmm. So I thought we could just discuss a few and see if we can find, like, is this the same thing? Is there an element of this? And then I also have, like, a, a little personal story to tell about it. Okay. So the first thing I want to bring up is astral projection. Well, that's something that Ingo Swan was renowned for doing, was being an astral projector. I'm trying to figure out really, aside from the state you're in, whether you're awake or asleep, what the difference between astral projection and remote viewing really is. Um, The government. (laughs) It's like the government is involved. In astral projection, in case you guys don't know, and- I think we should do a a episode on astral projection at some point. Probably we should. Yeah. If you don't know what it is, is when you're asleep, you actually travel your, your soul, not your body travels to different places. And people who are really gifted at astral projection can purposely do that. So they could be like, you know what, tonight I'm going to travel to the Eiffel tower and they can do that. Like that's, I haven't even heard people try to dispute that that's a thing. It's it's just a thing. Yeah, and the, the sort of the approved version of that would be like called an out-of-body experience. Exactly. Now, astral projection is just when you're asleep, just to clarify. It isn't something that you would say, oh, I just had an astral projection while you were awake. You would call it something else. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do it, and they don't even know they're doing it. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> Possibly you might be one of those people. It might might be me. I might do it all the time. (laughs) And then not remember any of it. Yeah. Slightly slightly inconvenient. (laughs) Super frustrating. (laughs) So astral projection to me and remote viewing are very, very similar. Yes. I think it's the same skill just being used in different forms. Because you're in a different state, you're asleep. The experience is different. Now, do I think that remote viewers are like leaving their body and hovering over and looking at something else? Maybe. I think some of them do that. I think some of them are able to channel and see through someone else's eyes for a moment. I think some of them are just able to intuitively get a, a snapshot picture of, of something that they're trying to. I, I don't see anywhere that anyone's trying to say which skill someone's using. It's just all considered remote viewing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think a lot of it is semantics, like out-of-body experience, astral projection, remote viewing. I think a lot of it is very much overlapping. Agreed. All right, the next one, we've actually done some episodes on this, and so fun. Go back and listen if you haven't. But time travel and time slips 
as opposed to a remote viewing episode? How would you differentiate those really? I don't know. And that's why I, that's why when you are reading about remote viewing, it you start to feel so torn between like the intuitive world and the scientific world and between like terms you already know and then learning about this because it feels like they're all very similar. Yeah. It all feels like forms of clairvoyance to me. Right. I will say time travel, there's certainly a similar aspect, but the time slip versus the remote view that I find like a real interesting thing. So in case you haven't listened to the episode or don't know, a time slip is when you're just like walking down the street and you suddenly are in the same location, but you're in a different time. Right. And you come back and we talk about that. It's so interesting and cool. I love time slips. Right. Hope to have one someday if I haven't already. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but remote viewing for military purposes was really being done in real time. But remote viewing, when you're researching it, is done in the future, in the past. I know Ingo Swan talked about going back and watching past events and things. So I don't, I'm not sure that they're that different. Yeah, I don't think they're very different at all. If, if anything, the time slip is just something that is accidental. Yeah. And I think in all of the accounts of time slips, at least that we talked about on that episode, there was a physical, like, there's a physical component. Like the location was a trigger and they were right? Like they were in the same place, but they're, they, they were, went into a different time and they were walking around where all of the remote viewing experiences, people are like laying on a couch with their eyes closed. Right. And intentionally doing it, trying to get somewhere. These people like slipped into 1960 and had no idea where they were. Exactly. And, and to that intentional, unintentional point, I think lots of people have unintentional remote viewing experiences where boom, you see something that has happened in the past or is going to happen. And then it happens. I think that that's, I think that's incredibly common. I agree with you. I think we just don't have the wording for it. I have actually reached out to you about things like, I just like kind of saw something and I'm not, I'm not sure what I tapped into. And you're like, I think you just remote viewed. Yes, exactly. I think that that happens unintentionally when you are an intuitive person. I think I, I've had experiences where all of a sudden I have like seen a flash of a scene and then mm-hmm. like two hours later I'm watching TV and the scene appears on TV and there's no significance. Like, why did I see that? Like, what right. did I do? Like, it's, it's very weird. It's not always like really great information. <laughs> why did I just remote view that? Did I just time slip there? Did I... Why was that moment something that I was predisposed to? Hmm. Very interesting. I think some of it is like heightened um, energy, maybe sort of globally or where, like regionally, wherever you are. The times it's happened to me have been times of political unrest, where I was somewhere where there was like a lot of energy in one one specific place. And so I think that when sort of collective energy is heightened, it's easier to tap into that without trying. Agreed. Agreed. I also think that with certain people, like with your children as a parent, like you just are so, I don't know, intertwined in their energy that you can have this, like, I don't know if it's remote viewing, but if I, if my kids are like out in the neighborhood playing and I'm wondering where they are, I will just like use my clairvoyance to like, to see if I can figure out where they are. Now, am I remote viewing them? I don't know. Am I just getting 
like an intuitive download of where our, it looks like they are to give me a hint. I don't know. I also don't know what the difference between those two things would be. So there right. you go. Exactly. So I thought I'd just end with telling you a, a quick thing that happens to me uh, frequently while I'm dreaming that is very remote viewer-esque. Okay. I would say that this happens to me very vividly at least once a month. Okay. So I will be asleep. I will be dreaming and I will be communicating with someone. I usually get the feeling that the person has either passed or is still alive, but in some sort of deep trauma state. Okay. And what happens in the dream is it's the, always the same format. It always starts in the same visual location. Whoever the person or being or spirit is comes up and says, I need to show you. And then what happens is I, as if I am the person through their eyes watching something very difficult or amazing that they went through so that I can understand their story. Okay. I love it. So I'll give you an example. Most of the time it's scary and traumatic and not fun, (laughs) but it's also, there's been zero times where I haven't taken something from it to help myself. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So one of the dreams that I will forever remember is when I was remote viewing, I was, I was pregnant with my second son. Um, and I was remote I'm going to call it remote viewing. You guys can say if you think it is or not, but I was, I was having this experience. This, this woman came to me and said, I need you to see. And what I was watching was first it starts where she's on trial and then it shifts very quickly to what happened. So she's in her house. Her daughter is playing outside. A van pulls up, snatches her daughter and the people drive away. No, What happens is that she sees it and completely freezes. She can't move. She can't speak. She's terrified. And instead of running out to try to stop it or to save her or to do anything, she sits on the ground and she does not even call the cops for an hour. Oh, God. So I see this. I feel what's happened. And she's on trial because they suspect she had something to do with the kidnapping because she did nothing to fight back and she didn't call the police. And so I don't know if, if this woman was passed away or who she was or what her name was. None of that felt important, but it was almost as if she just wanted somebody else to understand what happened to her. And right. I did. And like, it, like to this day, it sticks with me. I felt all of her feelings, her terror. I felt what it did to her body. I felt her leave her body. I felt her mental state snap and not be able to call police. It was like she couldn't, pro- her brain would not process the terror she saw. It was, it was right. amazing. So is, and that happens to me, like I said, once a month, something like that, I'll watch. Um, is that remote viewing? I don't know. Um, wow. I have no idea. Cause you're asleep. I'm totally asleep. I, I think it would be remote viewing. I don't know that I would call it that though, but yeah, I think that that qualifies as remote viewing. Now I have talked to other people with similar intuition to mine who have, there's only like one person who I can think of and you know them too. And they have similar experiences where they view other people's experiences through their eyes while they're asleep. So 
I'm sharing this not to sound cool or crazy, depending on what you think of the story. (laughs) I'm sharing it because I think there are so many different things that intuitive people do that have to do with a form of clairvoyance and using your intuition and like sort of seeing through other people's eyes. If you're highly empathic, that's just something you're naturally inclined to do. And they're there, but then when they go to try like remote viewing might not be able to do it. But my, my point is that it can be in so many different forms and that remote viewing is just taking these gifts like clairvoyance, ESP, um, all of these things, right. Visions and, and just, formulating them and saying, do it in this way, like use this, this sort of, um, this formula to create this result. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that you, you're not going to get government funding for it and you're not going to have like some like clandestine CIA operation for it, but it doesn't mean that you're not doing it. And it doesn't mean that you're not, that you're not able to do it. Exactly right. So I think go play around with it and find your way of doing it. Find what works for you. I think that if, Jay, if you went to some location, I didn't know where you were and you could talk to me without giving me hints about anything, but you could answer questions that would, I could, I think I could do a really good job doing it that way. But just from random, it is very hard to stay focused. That's my thought. What do you right. And you're, and you're also incredibly clairvoyant. If you're someone who's clairaudient or you have another Claire, then remote viewing might not be your thing. It doesn't mean you couldn't tap in and figure out where I was. It just, it wouldn't be under the term of remote viewing. Yeah. You might be tapping in and you might be hearing words. That's, it's really the same process. It just depends on which of your clairs or your psychic senses is stronger or the one you use the like the two you use the most that's how it's going to come through so you know and then at the same time if you are clairvoyant and you're used to using your clairvoyance you most likely use it in a certain way like I do where it's all nouns like the guy said try not to say nouns every part of it is me naming nouns to figure out what's going on so it's almost like trying to adjust a skill that's that you is so it's like a really well-worn pathway in my brain to do it this way so it's very difficult to then shift and try to do it in a different way right and that's not how intuition works intuition does what it needs to do exactly right so there you go. Go try it and give us some feedback, guys. Let us know what it was like for you. Let us know yeah. if you've ever had remote viewing experiences or similar ones to mine where you were asleep or if you were awake. Are you a weird mom like me and you try to remote view where your children are sometimes? Like what? Let us know. Right. I bet a lot of moms out there try to do that. I bet. <laughs> All right. Yeah, not really knowing what they're doing or suddenly just getting an image of something in your head and being like, why am I seeing that? That's right. Like, yeah, it's all that. And let's just not forget that all of this stuff was already named and had been being used for centuries. Right, before the Stargate. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, before the patriarchy tried to make it very militant. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Thank you, Heather. I'm going to try to remote view how I can get myself a nice big cup of coffee right now. I know exactly where you can go to do that. (laughs) Maybe our sponsor, Restoration Coffee. Restoration Coffee. (laughs) All right. Talk to you soon, Jay. All right. Bye. Bye. Can I ask everyone listening to do us a favor? Can you please 
go wherever you're listening to this, whatever platform you listen to the IGG on, can you go on for us, please? And like, whatever it's asking you to do, like, like, follow, download, rate, write a review. We would love for you to do that for us. Hey, thanks for listening to our episode. For show notes and a place to send feedback, please visit our website, embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls. Again, that's embodylove.me slash intuitivegirls.